Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. You know you've come to the right church when uh, we show clips of from Monty Python and Spaceballs and Zootlander as part of our intro. So, um, and I'm, I'm going to be all pants today, too. I noticed with these black lights. So it's kind of funny. And, uh, but the, we got this VBS set up today. And so we're have, that's happening all week. And it's going to be amazing. So if you have a kid that is the age of VBS, like elementary school age, you haven't signed him up, you got to do that because it's going to be huge. That's why we have this whole cave theme. You had to kind of come underneath the cave. If you're not very tall like me, you didn't have to do the limbo. But if you're a tall guy, you got a limbo to get in here today, which is kind of fun. How are you? You good? You fired up? Huh? All right. <clears throat> That's about all I can expect from you for 8.30, so I'm good. I'm good to know some of you are like, mm, you know, I haven't had a coffee yet. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It is a familiar verse, <clears throat> but we keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. Because what I want to talk to you about today it's, it's amazing how Genesis 1.27 seems to address all of these different issues that are going on in our society. And what I want to talk to you about today is something I don't really want to talk to you about. I'd rather talk about something else. But I'm going to talk to you about it today as we include our Who Am I series, because this issue is not something you have to go out and look for. This issue finds you. It is in your backyard. It is in your front yard. It is everywhere you look. It is in everything that you could, everywhere you can go, basically. And I'll give you an illustration of that in a few moments. But the issue I want to talk to you about today is the issue of sexual identity. And more specifically, what's come about in our society now with the transgender movement, transgenderism, and all the stuff that goes along with that. And so it, whenever it comes to a sermon like this, and we've, we've spoken about these kind of hard or controversial topics, and some people think that you should avoid them, I think you should run to them. Because where there's confusion, it is our job as um, people, especially my job as a pastor, to provide clarity. And to not be afraid of things, but to rather address them to help us understand what we should think about these things. And so please understand that as I talk about this issue today, my goal is to always speak the truth in love. But one of the ways I believe that you love people is you speak truth to them. And so please, if you're nervous today about the stuff that I might say, or if you find um, what I'm saying offensive to you, can you kind of make, maybe turn on a little internal filter inside your head to say, <clears throat> is what he's saying offensive because he's trying to be mean? Or is it offensive because I don't like it because it sounds like it may be true or it differs from what I think? So please do understand my goal is not to be mean. I don't want to be mean. I, I just want to be clear as much as possible. Because the issue of change, the changing understanding of sexuality and sexual identity is coming at you and me like a tidal wave. It is coming so fast. It has made its way into the mainstream of culture. For example, my wife and I were in California a couple weeks ago, and we were walking through Nordstrom. And going through Nordstrom, going up the escalator, and I see this big giant slogan on the wall, and it just simply says, pride looks good on you, with the rainbow and everything else, celebrating LGBT month, which is June. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. This is a clothing store. This is a business. To say pride looks good on you is not a neutral statement. That is a, that is a position. 
That is an affirmation. They could have remained neutral. They could have said, we're a clothing store. We don't get involved in social issues. They didn't do that. I went, interesting. Then a little while later, I go around the corner right over here to my bank. Pull some cash out of my bank. And on the ATM screen, as I'm waiting for the cash to dispense, this is celebrating our friends and family in the LGBT community. And there's a picture of a couple guys with a couple of kids. I thought, wow, that's interesting. This is on my ATM screen. There's little kids here who, in this picture, who will never ever have a mom. They will never know a mother's love. And Chase just celebrates that. Thinks it's cool. Puts it on the ATM screen. I didn't go running for that. I just had to get cash out of my bank. I didn't go running. I just walked through a clothing store. And then I find out earlier this week, actually last week, that um, there's a bill in California called SB 1146 which would remove the ability um, of Christian colleges to get federal funds like, you know, grants and, and, you know, loans like student loans and that, that sort of thing. I don't know all the details of it. But it would severely restrict dollars going to Christian colleges if they, unless they change their stance, unless they change their beliefs. Now, I, you know me. I'm not a sensationalist. I try to avoid politics as much as possible. I try to avoid rumors as much as possible. But this thing is legit. I mean, it's so legit that the president of Biola University, for example, where I went to school, as well as other Christian colleges around the state, are, are deeply concerned about this. In fact, one representative from Biola University said it would change the face of Christian higher education in California as we know it today. And many people, good, uh, solid Christians who've stayed on the sidelines and not gotten involved, not trying to be sensationalistic, are coming out saying, this one is serious. This one is a Rubicon. This one is a game changer. If this goes through, this will change, like we said, Christian higher education forever. So again, this isn't something that we're hunting down looking for controversy. I go to the bank. It's there. I go to the mall. It's there. It's, a, it's at a bank. It's at a mall. It's at a university near you. And so we just got to figure this whole thing out because it's not going away. It's not just kind of, it, it's, it's continuing its march forward. It's continuing its tidal wave. So we got to figure it out, but there's really not a whole lot to figure out because some things, you guys, some things just never change. And so from the very beginning, we're given a statement from Scripture that unlocks for us a, 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 like amazing insight. And here's the thing. Until these cultural things come up, you never see the depth and the beauty and the wonder and the amazement and the wisdom and the richness of just one simple verse, which is why sometimes I say this a lot because we weren't able to expose this angle of it, but now we can. And we weren't really able to expose it from this angle, but now we can because it's, it's kind of being attacked or challenged or questioned from so many different sides. And so it says this. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. What do we get from this? We get three things. Number one, words mean things. Words mean things. Notice that God thought it was important to tell us this, not to just not to just show us, not to have it revealed by nature, and we're going to talk a lot about nature today, but to, but to interpret for us what we see, to write it down, because language is important. 
language shapes thoughts. Those of you who can speak a foreign language know that there's some words that you don't have, that you have maybe in that foreign language that you don't have in the English language. And so you're trying to look for that. You're trying to define it. Like, I don't really, there's not really a word for it in English, but it kind of means this. And it's a thought. And language shapes thought. Without language, you don't have the ability to think. And, and knowledge is, as they taught us back in those old schoolhouse rock cartoons, knowledge is power. And knowledge at its core is the ability to discern this from that. And so we have to be very, very careful about the language that we use, which is why the main tactic of those who would seek to change the way we think about sexual identity is to go after the language. There's certain things that you can and can't say. There's certain ways you must think now. So for example, one of the words you're gonna hear a lot of times is the word binary. Binary means one or the other. Those of you involved in computer code, you know that binary is like zeros and ones and that sort of thing. Those of you guys that are involved in that. Binary is one or the other. And so you'll hear more and more, well, you know, that person just has a binary view of gender. You notice that? One or the other. It's either male or female. It's binary. And so you're going to start using that, and it's going to be used as a pejorative more and more, as a put down. So, you know, that person, they have an old-fashioned view. It's binary. And that's a key tactic of those who would, who would attempt to shift the thinking, is to change the language. And so what you do is, you take what is generally accepted as true, give it a label, and then marginalize it, and call it dangerous and offensive. Are you with me? That's what happens. That's the strategy. You take something that's generally accepted as true, give it a label, give it a name, and move it over here and say it's offensive. Such as this word binary. If you believe that there are males and females, and that's it, you are now grouped into a category of people who are limited in their thinking. And you gotta be very careful about how much you incorporate the language that is fed to you into your own language because language drives thought. This is also proven by the fact that there's a group called the Gender Equity Resource Center at UC Cal Berkeley. However you say it, Cal Berkeley, University of California, Berkeley. That they have a Gender Equity Resource Center that has composed a list of terms for you to learn. And you have to learn these and you have to employ them in your language. So, for example, here are some terms that you may not know. And you, I, I grabbed a screenshot off their website and you can see it up here. As you see, you have the typical male and female pronouns and everything else, but now there's a neutral one that you have to learn. And you see it's pronounced um, Z and here. You see there, Z and here, and also here's and here's and herself. So you have to you need to learn that this is another alternate non-male, non-female pronoun that you need to incorporate into your language. And you might think that's funny, and you might think that's weird, but guess what? New York City does not think so. Because New York City has a law that if you're a business, and you do not call an employee by the pronoun of their choice, you can face a fine up to $250,000. This is according to US News and World Report. In fact, if you are a business in New York City and you employ someone whose name is John, but they, refer, they want to be called Jane, 
and you don't give them Jane on their name tag, you give them John because their name is John, you can be fined up to $250,000. But it's not just that simple. It's not just he, him, her, zer, zer. It's not that. There's dozens of these, dozens of these different affiliations that, again, Cal Berkeley goes to the trouble of defining for us and listing for us. You have words like agender, androgynous, asexual, bigender, which they actually, ch- actually challenge now by gender because they say it's still okay, even bisexual is still okay, but we must understand that that's really outdated because we know there's more than one gender. This is what they say. Okay. So you have gender queer, gender fluid, intersex, pangender, two spirit. This is just to name a few. I mean, I could go on and on and on. That's not what the, you know, I, I, this isn't a lesson on Cal Berkeley's list of gender identities, but it's an example. The Bible says, however, that God has expressed himself in only two ways, as men and as women. Man and a woman. He made them male and female. And those words mean things. It means something to be a man. It means something to be a woman. To be a man or to be a woman provides direction, provides identity, provides focus, provides a cause, and all those things. And so if you're going to change that, you have to attack the language. But we know words mean things. Secondly, that we can get from this verse is that Scripture affirms nature and nature affirms Scripture. You see, there's one definition, and you've got to roll me a little bit because this is very fascinating to me. As I was studying these terms from Cal Berkeley, there was one definition that just jumped out at me, and I went, whoa, this is kind of a Freudian slip on their part. I don't think they recognized how self-revelatory this was. I don't think this, this should have made it past the editing room. Because there's one definition that they use called cisgender. Anybody heard of cisgender? You know what cisgender is? Cisgender is uh, a, per- well, this is the definition. A person who by nature or by choice conforms to gender sex-based expectations of society. In other words, see, what do I say? You, 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 you take something that's normal, give it a name, and move it over here. Cisgender is a man who identifies as a man because he's a man. That's what it means. And it's a woman who identifies as a woman because she's a woman. That's what the term means. Now, what's fascinating to me is that they chose to define this with these words, a person who by nature follows what nature tells them to do. In other words, every other variation violates nature, goes against nature, ignores nature, denies nature, works against nature. This one, which would be most of us, if not all of us, men identifying as men because you're a man, woman identifying as woman because you're a woman. It's right there in their own definition. Definition. These are people who choose to look at their nature and follow it. That's their, that's, so you're, that's what you are, if, you're, if, you've, if that's indeed you. Isn't that crazy? 
And so by, by definition, every other one of these options, they admit it's on their own website. They don't say it, but it's implied, it's inferred. Every other one says, no, we depart from nature. But all we see in Genesis 1:27, and this is why for so many times, like, okay, duh, everybody knows God made men and women, big deal. Not everybody knows that anymore, which is why we dig up Genesis 1:27 and put it back on the shelf again. Because once again, it's relevant. You say, why does God, why do we need to study something so boring like Genesis 1:27? Because it's not assumed anymore. Scripture affirms nature, and nature affirms Scripture. So when there is someone, you guys, and I say this with the deepest amount of, 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 of attempt to understand and compassion and awareness, when someone whose natural body is not formed correctly so their gender identity is not clear, rather than celebrate that, Nordstrom, and say, that looks great on you, we say, no, that's actually a problem because nature testifies to something else. We can see that nature intends, quote unquote, God intends for there to be men and women. So when something has gone wrong, we don't celebrate that. We say that's a problem. How can we come alongside this person with, with professionals and whoever else and try to help that person live a life as close to the way that nature slash God intended them to live? When someone is born blind, we don't say, celebrate your blindness and take off running as fast as you can that way. Just run, just go. Let's see how this turns out, right? We don't do that. We say that's a problem because we can observe from nature that you have eyeballs that are senses that are designed for you to be able to interpret the world around you. And when those do not function properly, that puts you at a disadvantage. And so what we do is we create people who come alongside that person and say, how can we help you live as close to what nature intended for you as possible given your limitations? That's the solution. That's loving. That's what follows nature. God is the ultimate naturalist. God loves nature. It is secularism which has denied it and sought to reinvent it and sought to say it doesn't exist and close their eyes to what is real. What needs to be done with people who have sexual identity problems is to help them come as close as possible to what God intended for them as revealed by what we can see through nature because we see clearly scripture always affirms nature and nature always affirms scripture. Now, there's certain interpretations of scripture that don't always affirm nature. And there's certain interpretations of nature that don't always affirm scripture. But nature itself always confirms scripture and vice versa. And we see that clearly in Genesis 127. Guys, just look around. Third, if our sexuality reveals God's image, you can expect it to be attacked. See, what it says here in Genesis is it says that male and female, he created them in his image. And so there's something distinct about the male image of God. 
And God, see, what I love about God's design is he, he didn't contain all of who he is in one, he didn't make us all the same. You know what I mean? Like he didn't give us, he's so great, he's so amazing, he's so powerful, he's so beyond us, he's so, um, what's the word? Trans, he trans, uh, I can't think, he, he, he's beyond us. I, there's a word I can't think of right now. Sorry, my brain's a little bit dead. Um, transcendence, he transcends us. Yes, thank you. Whoever whispered that and I heard it. Um, he transcends us. And so I can't contain all of the image of God in myself. So God made a woman and then we got married. And then so our kids see the masculine image of God in me, hopefully. And they see the feminine image of God in my wife, and it's a beautiful picture. So this is how God chooses to reveal himself. We're not in the image of animals. We're not in the image of ourselves. If you want to know why you exist, you exist. You are made in the image of God as male, as female. Now let's just think about this for a minute from a different angle. If you... If God had an enemy, and we believe he does, if God had an enemy, and we believe he does, what do you think that enemy would try to do? The enemy would try to do is to try to destroy, as best as possible, the image of God. I'd say he does a pretty good job. I mean, you have like famine, you have war, you have disease, you have drugs, and all these things tear away and ruin and kill and destroy. As Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the enemy does a really good job. So God makes these beautiful images, male and female, with these tremendously powerful, wonderful qualities that radiate the wonder and beauty and strength of God. And the enemy comes along and just takes shots at him all the time. And everything from killing him to maiming him to, 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 to just marring and, and veiling and wrecking them in so many ways. But it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to just be disease and, and war. It, it's, it's, it's more than just taking the person out. It's, it's marring the image as expressed in male and female. If God makes people in his image, then the more, his more insidious attack would do what? Attack the maleness and femaleness of the image of God. That's what the enemy would do to scratch away at that. to make male and female unnecessary, to strip away the distinction, to dumb down the differences, to blur the edges and lines, to make male and female unnecessary and even an occasion to be mocked. <laughs> you're a man, you, know, you, know, what, what is, you, you think you're a man, oh, you think you're a woman, you don't need to be those things, you be whatever you wanna be. And so it doesn't even start there. It doesn't need to. It starts way before that. And see, here's the crazy thing about it. In Genesis, as you're moving through Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, then Genesis chapter 2, then you get to Genesis chapter 3. Oh, the serpent, the enemy of God, what's the very first question that he asks Eve? What's the very first words out of the serpent's mouth? You ready for this? This is what it says. Did God actually say, you shall not eat from any fruit or any tree in the garden? Did God actually say, you cannot eat from any uh, tree in the garden? No. God never said that. But you see the twisting? Asked a question, challenging something, attributing it to God that God never actually said. And so the woman <clears throat> said, no, 
God didn't say that, but then the seeds of doubt are planted in her mind. God's judgment, God's creation, God's word, all those things are, are, are cast in doubt by the enemy because he twists the word of God. Do you see the tactic? The tactic is to ask, to attribute something to God that he never said and then question it. Did God actually say he can't eat from me? No, he said we can eat from the trees. We just can't eat from that one, see? So the question that the enemy asked our culture is, did God really say you, you, you can't have sex? Did God really actually say that? No, he never said you can't have sex. He just said, have sex in marriage. When you get married, have it early and have it often. Make lots of babies and have lots of, get lots of practice and have lots of fun. We have sermons on that, actually. You can get them online for free. And you can write me a thank you note. Because they're good. You have sex. God never said you can't have it. He just said have sex in these parameters because these are the parameters that make it fun and joyful and bring life. And then the, ser the serpent, the enemy, asked the culture another question. Did God actually say that men and women are not equal? Is this what your, this Bible says, that men and women aren't equal? <sighs> and the culture said, yeah, that's not right. Men and women are equal. God never said that they weren't. God never said that they weren't. The Bible never said that they weren't. But the question came up. And so the assumption is that the Bible says that men and women are not equal. No, 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 no. He never said that. He said they're different for a purpose. They're different. And those differences are beautiful and wonderful and holy and sacred and life-giving. But, but that's not what the culture heard. And so we made up our minds to do things our own way. Do kids really need a mom and a dad? Hey, if there's no difference between men and women, then two dads, two moms, they'll do. They need a mom and a dad. Kids don't need a mom and a dad. That's stupid. That's a stupid thought, according to the United States Supreme Court. Stupid. Backward. The child would need both a father and a mother for a complete family. So what do we do? Well, we never compromise on Scripture, and we never compromise on nature. We just never do. But we're also ready to pick up the pieces. In other words, first of all, we don't go along. We, we, we have to be careful. We have to interpret it. See, if you just like buying into whatever's coming down the pike in your company, or whatever's coming down the pike on the, on the internet, and you're like, well, this is what we're doing now, so we just move this direction because this is what everyone says we're doing, and this is what we're doing now, and I guess the Bible doesn't make a lot. Remember, the Bible didn't change. Everything else changed. The Bible is not talking out of two sides of its mouth. What Scripture says, always, and, and nature hasn't changed <laughs> last time I checked. It doesn't change. So you hold to that. But the second thing we do is we be ready to pick up the pieces because with this tidal wave and avalanche that's coming, there is going to be pain like you have not seen in your life. And Christians need to do what we've always done throughout history. Back in the Roman Empire, when people would put their babies out on the front porch to die of exposure, the Christians would come and adopt them. Back in the Middle Ages, when 
in Europe when the barbarians were coming and raping and pillaging everywhere and the monasteries where the monks would build centers of art and culture and education and they would build roads and they'd build um, rivers and bridges and they would build, they would bring life and then the barbarians would come and knock it down and then they would kill a bunch of the monks and then the monks would rebuild it again and rebuild it again and rebuild it again because over time wherever there is Christianity there is life, there is restoration, there is hope, there is peace, there is renewal and we have got to be people who play that role. So we don't go out um, angry, we don't go out um, saying, you know, screw you to the world, we are here with smiles on our faces and love in our hearts to help pick up the pieces of shattered, shattered lives that will find redemptions. Lives, and I will warn you, this is pretty raw. Lives like this one. So tell me what, um, tell me about just your upbringing. Yeah, I heard you got uh, saved at a Christian camp. I did. I was, uh, I was adopted and I was, uh, I had two loving parents. I was raised in uh, Southgate, California. I went to Bible Baptist Church for many years and, and I was the rebel. I was always a rebel. Got caught in church with pot and uh, different things, you know. And I went to church camp uh, back when I was 16 and uh, that's where I was saved. And uh, me, like a lot of people, they think when you're saved, then you can go do what you want. You know, you're saved and God's going to forgive you and, you know, and, but I found out that's not true because I went the next, I don't know how many years doing what I wanted to do and not what God wanted me to do. Actually, we should probably back up to when I was molested at 13. Uh, that kind of put me on a downhill spiral ever since uh, the molestation took place. So basically, I started sex when I was 11 and... I was caught in a motel room before uh, with a girl, and uh, so you get saved at 16. Go on to actually, when did you get? Well, married? when I was 16, I, like I said, I got saved at 16. I got married at 17. Started out my first wife still in high school. You like women? You've been, oh, I loved women. You've been with how many of them? Over a thousand. <laughs> so what gets you when you're sitting there reading this magazine, going, "I, I could do this." I could do it, you know. And to this day, I don't know. I mean, I. The truth is, I believe it was a godsend because every time I did what I did, pleasured myself, and maybe not every time, but most of the time, I prayed. I said, "God, I take this away from me. I, I can't. I can't keep doing this. You know, I'm sick." And uh, I kept praying and praying, and that's why you know it's all on God's time. I don't know. To this day, I, I believe in my own being that God says, "This is enough's enough," and uh, I'm going to take the whole thing away from you, and this is how I'm going to do it. He works in mysterious ways, and I've told this story to pastors and stuff before, and they, they, they don't really believe it, because it's, the, the story is so hard to believe anyway, but why would God do that? I don't know. I don't. But why would I do it? Here I am, uh, a perfect dude with, with, with a, uh, a perfect sex life. I didn't need any drugs, no Viagra, none of that stuff. I mean, uh, erections were... were, were Drop of the hat, you know, and uh, why would I want to become a woman? Why would I want to chop it off? That's what my, uh, my fifth ex-wife said when we had an interview with her one time. I didn't think nothing about it because I was led from that makeover and the cross-dressing and going to the, uh, 
going back to the, uh, the boutique and hanging out with all the cross-dressing friends and everything, I couldn't stop. I'm so compulsive. I am one of the most compulsive persons you probably ever meet. But once I get started on something, look at the tattoos. I got a, uh, my whole body is totally covered, 150 plus tattoos. I couldn't stop with that. The whole thing from pulling the hair out of my beard all the way down to, I got the boobs put in, which recently I had them taken out, of course, but uh, that's a whole other story. But down to the vaginoplasty and the, and the whole thing, I spent over $50,000. 50000 So... But I didn't care. I spent every penny I had. I, I literally thought that I was going to be sexually, uh, as a woman, not with men, because I never wanted to be with a guy, but with women. And I, I thought I'd be a lesbian, okay? See, that's where the whole thing comes in. That's where it gets even more interesting. Because when I woke up from the operation, all this, I thought it, you know, and I'm here nine days, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I got these nice boobs, and I'm, I'm, I'm oh, this is cool, you know? About a week later, maybe a week and a half later or so, once everything's starting to heal up, you know, and everything, it's like, I try to, I try to take care of it with vibrators and I try to, you know, have a, 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 a climax and everything. As, as a woman, couldn't do it. Nothing. No sensation, no feeling, nothing. So that's why, that's why I think in my mind it was a godsend. And he said, all right, because I went to one of the best surgeons there was. Everyone else has feelings and all of them have sex and blah, blah, blah. I have nothing, okay? Uh, so I do, I do believe that God said, okay, I want to fix her. Um, she's going to have no feelings. She's going to have nothing down there. And everything was gone, for, erased from my memory bank for sex. So I'm probably one of the only people, one of the few, I'm not going to say only, that, that can actually live on this earth and not think one thing about sex ever again. No feelings, nothing. It's just like totally gone, just poof, you know. And I, I live every day like that now, and it's been almost five years since I had the operation. Two days ago, uh, as you look at me now, I'm back to being who God wanted me to be as a man, and it doesn't really matter what I got between my legs because uh, no one's going to see it anyway. And uh, I, I've been reading my Bible every day, and all I could hear was God saying, well, you really need to go back to being who I made you. And your story is great, but just don't do it as a girl, because you're not a girl. And I know that. It just tears me up to think that, that, that I did all this, and uh, I, I was a phony, I was a fraud, but I tried pulling it off. And, and, and people, people just called me ma'am, and, and, and she, and her, and you know, I had my long hair. I didn't wear much makeup. As you can see, I got lip liner. I had the eyebrows tattooed, which now I got to live this way. But it's a great testimony. And uh, I just want to try to help someone else before they make the same mistake I did. Everybody I told I was getting a sex change and blah, blah, blah. They all said, oh, if that's what, if that's what you think is right, then go ahead and do it. You know, if you, if you, if you feel, good, if feel good about it, you know, if that's what you want, go, go do it. And... Uh, how can that happen when you're supposed to be accountable for your brothers and sisters and help them out, according to what I read? And uh, they didn't do it. They did not do it. And to this day, they thought I was going to be a disgrace to them. That's why they didn't do anything. They just told me to, there's the door. I said, okay. You know. But I always thought I needed to be important. And that's another reason, all the tattoos and the, the piercings. I thought, uh, oh, I'm going to be somebody someday. Uh, I want to be famous, you know. But now, 
I do want to be famous, but I want to be famous for God. And I want to, I want to take everybody down the path that needs help. Please listen to this because without the Lord, you'll have nothing. You'll have nothing. You know, he's the, he's the vine and we're the branches and uh, we can do nothing without him. But the whole thing is why most people will not go to any of these things because it's all about the embarrassment. You are so embarrassed with what you've been doing that you can't tell anybody that. And that's what I kept a secret for all those years. I couldn't tell nobody. I was too embarrassed. But you have to stop. You have to stop and, 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 and get help because you're going to destroy your life. You're going to destroy the life of your, of your friends, your spouse, your, whoever it may be, because this is the worst thing that I think that, 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 that anybody could do is, is get involved in the, the sex uh, industry or business or, or whatever. It destroyed me. But praise God, uh, I'm set free now, and I'm happy as can be. I am so happy, it's overjoyed, you know, because my life now is like over the top. I have nothing, but I have everything, if that makes sense, because I have Jesus. <clears throat> this guy... I'm really grateful to TripleXChurch.com, by the way, for, for um, making that video, and, and so I want to give them credit. It's been a few years since this guy um, did this video, and, and so there's a follow-up video. He's gone back and forth. He's really struggled. He's still a believer, but it's from the standpoint of, he says, hey, sometimes I still go around like a woman because the biggest thing is because I, when I go to a public restroom, I, I, I can't, I'm, I have all the body parts of a woman, so it, it just makes everything really awkward. And uh, they just kind of a crazy thing because he, he he's a believer and he just says he struggles. You know, he struggles and because he doesn't know where he fits because he made this, as he said, a terrible, terrible decision. Guys, it's just not something to celebrate. And this is this is what they don't want you to see. What I want us to be is a church that if someone like this were to walk in, we go, man, your past is your past, man. You're, you're forgiven. It may be hard to walk that road. It's his, the rest of his life is going to be very, very difficult, as he's acknowledged. But towards the end of this other video that they made of him, they said, what do you, you want to hear someday when you go to heaven? What, what, do you want, what do you hope happens? And he starts crying. He says, I just want Jesus to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. See, that, that's the thing that nobody gets. Because Jesus will say that to him. But not because of what he's done. And not because of what you've done. Because of what Christ has done for him. Redemption is available to everybody. No, we speak the truth here. And the truth is that there's hope. And the truth is that there's grace. Love is not telling someone to go do whatever they want to do. That's a lie. It's tragic. If this guy can find forgiveness, then you can too. And whatever you're dealing with. You may be thinking you've made an absolute mess out of your life right now. Of course, maybe after watching that, you might think it's not so bad. But wherever you are, Man, God wants to heal you. If you're struggling with this issue, and I, I, I don't, 
I'm not preaching as though there's a bunch of people and then there's those guys. There, there might be a person struggling with sexual identity in here right now. You may have gone through that surgery like he did. I don't know. TripleXChurch.com is a great way to start because you're embarrassed. I'd say come talk to us, but you're probably too embarrassed to do that. If you want to, please do. Please write it on your card. We'll, we'll keep it anonymous, I promise. But, but if you're too embarrassed to even do that, go to TripleXChurch.com and they, they have resources to help you. They really do. Because this stuff is real. Guys, identity is everything. As we wrap up this series, I want nothing more than for some of you in here today to use this as an opportunity to say, you know, maybe I didn't do that. Maybe, I, maybe my issue isn't even this whole transgender thing, but I still need to come to Jesus. I need to come to Jesus. If God can forgive him, he can forgive you. And he's ready to. But you gotta embrace grace, you guys. You gotta stop screwing around. This, this, this is what happens when the world runs away from God. This is what they do to themselves. This is what we do to ourselves. So I'm gonna lead you through a prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. So would you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and <clears throat> you're ready to, to embrace Jesus, I think some of you are, and I don't know why you've been too chicken not to. Right where you are, just say, God, you know, I need your grace. I need your favor. Today, I'm turning my life over to you like the guy did in the video. He's got his sins. He wears his sins every day. Maybe I don't, but I know they're there. So today I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Today I'm repenting. Today I want to live as the man or the woman that you created me to be. Regardless of if any sexual issues or whatever, it's just as a, as a human being today, I want to be the, the person that you made me to be. And so I turn my life over to you. And I'm amazed by your grace. I'm astounded by your grace. I'm blown away by your grace. You say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who gets to that place of poverty and of need. And God, I also, I want to pray for those who are in here and they're, they're wrestling with all kinds of stuff. That they would find the same redemption that we just saw. God, you can fix anyone's life. You can turn anyone's life around. Thank you for that. I pray they would reach out and not face this in isolation. They would know they are loved loved by people who love them enough to tell them the truth and not do the cowardly thing of smiling and saying whatever you want to do. That is cowardice. That is lies. And we don't do that. Thank you that we can stand on your word and we find redemption in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.